Hey everybody, this is Brother Frank, and welcome to another episode of the Remnant Call. Tonight, I to say I'm excited would be an understatement. I have Brother Benjamin Brooke back on the broadcast with us tonight, and we I personally am looking forward to what Brother Benjamin is going to share this evening. Um, the Lord has laid a message on his heart, and with a lot of opposition, um, by God's grace, this message will be brought forth and birth here on the remnant call tonight. Um, and I I'm looking forward to it. So with that, I'm going to bring on brother Benjamin to the program. Benjamin, are you here with me? Yeah. Hey, good evening, Frank brother. Glad to have you back. I know it's been the holidays and everything, and we haven't had you on for a few weeks, but folks don't worry. Benjamin is family. Benjamin is a part of the remnant call. So, uh, we all get busy sometimes here and there, but, you know, by God's grace, Benjamin, and I've been friends since 1999. I consider him one of the closest brothers that I know in Jesus. So don't worry. He will always be back unless God decides to do something different. And uh, so praise the Lord, brother. Glad to have you on here tonight. But I know that what you were sharing briefly with me, you have been experiencing some heavy resistance. I'm going to ask, brother, could you pray tonight? Um and ask the Lord to just bless this program uh, that he would bring forth his message and not ours. Amen. Amen. Father God, we thank you. Lord Jesus, we bless you. We lift up this program. Lord, we lift up this listening audience. And we pray for every, every heart that is tuned in. We pray for every soul that will hear these words, Lord, that that you will do your work, that you'll bring forth your, the hidden manna reserved for this hour. And Lord, the words of encouragement, blessing, and hope will be, be brought forth by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, they're your people. They gather, Lord, to hear from you. Oh, and man. Frank and I could speak to them if you wish, but Lord, it is so much better when we get to hear Amen. from you. So we... We consecrate this program for the purposes of the kingdom of God. And Lord, that you would be glorified and that your saints would be edified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, brother, I'm going to turn this program over because I'm I'm getting ready to listen in tonight, folks. <laughs> I might be the host, but this is my time for nourishment, too. So, brother, I'm looking forward to, to what the Lord has laid on your heart. Well, hallelujah. Yeah, it's... It's amazing. We're well. First of all, we're we're in 2024, which is a new year, according to the calendar of the the goy, the Gentiles. Um, of course, you know those of us who follow the Hebrew or the biblical calendar. Our new year doesn't start until April 9th, and um, you know ours is going to be heralded by a whole lot more than just a. New Year's Eve celebration, we got a total eclipse coming with the stars heralding clearly what our God is about to do in the earth. So now we're, we're about three months away from the real New Year's Day. You know, but for the Gentile nations, the New Year has begun and with a bang. And I won't waste the time going over all the news. I'm sure you guys keep up. 
But yeah, the fireworks are there. I mean, North Korea firing artillery at South Korea, <laughs> landing, landing off the, the waters of a South Korean island. It's, it's getting a little sporty out there. And I'm sure it won't be long before um, the, the game is on in all of its glory. But, you know, the nations are literally beating their plowshares into swords and and a great war is being prepared. But but I want to focus today, tonight, I want to focus on, on what we should be preparing for in the kingdom of God. And I just want to you know, speak some scripture, give some insight into some scripture, and we'll see where the Lord takes it from there. Hallelujah. But let's open our Bibles to the book of Isha'iah, which the, in English it's the book of Isaiah, chapter 60, and I'm just going to share some of the verses you can, you can follow along with, if you wish. Starting in verse 1, Arise and shine, for thy light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. And that word for glory is kabod in Hebrew. And it means an abundance of riches and honor, the splendor or the glory of the circumstances that God is going to bring to pass. You know, Joseph being made ruler over Egypt is an example. It, it also is the, the word used for the glory of God, the glory of the Lord, the glory of the king. Is about to rise upon his people. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness will be upon the minds of the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. You know, we're witnessing the darkness covering the earth. It's unspeakable the madness that's come upon men, and the gross darkness that is now shadowing, covering the minds of the people, they're being turned into the beast that they will shortly follow. That word for gross darkness is arafel. It, it speaks of a sky falling. The gloom and the misery that comes upon the world when the sky falls down. When the devil is cast down, it also means a, a gross or a thick darkness, gathering gloom upon the earth. A time of hopelessness has come. There is nothing that mankind has to look forward to other than a day of darkness and a day of judgment. But in the camp of the saints of the Most High God, we are promised that the Lord will arise upon his people. The Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And that word for arise is zarach. And it, it means to rise with the majesty of a king. This is the glory of the king that is coming. And it's going to, we cannot even imagine what this is going to look like. The word translate translates to mean literally 
as lightning shoots forth as a beam of light and it appears and it comes forth. It rises with the brightness of the sun. And I'm, I'm sure we've all seen a, an early morning sunrise and as you're, the darkness is receding and the light of the sky is gradually brightening that early twilight. And then suddenly that sun breaks the horizon and you know, you, you can't even look at it. It's so bright. That's the brightness that is coming upon the remnant of God. The glory of the Lord is about to come upon his people. Jesus himself spoke of this and he said, for as the lightning lights out of one part of heaven and it shines under the other part, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. And that's what's coming. New Year's Day is going to herald his day. And the lightning is about to break forth. But first, he must suffer many things and be rejected of his generation. And as it was in the day of Noah, so it shall be. And they were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, until the flood came. And destroyed them all the day that Noah entered the ark. Likewise, it was in the days of Lot. The very same day Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. The scripture goes on to say, you know, on that day, don't go back into your house to get your things. Rather, flee. For now there shall be wrath on nations. In a time such as never was will begin. But notice the light that is going to come in the day of the Son of Man will be this the same day that the judgment comes upon the world. The same day that the Son of Man is revealed will be the same as when the flood came in Noah's time or the fire fell on Sodom and Gomorrah. So we know that the day of redemption, the day of, of God restoring all things for his people, is the same day as the day of the Lord in which he begins his judgment of the entire earth. And they are, in fact, one and the same. It's a tale of two cities, but it's one day. It's a tale of the destiny of two peoples, but it is one day in God's sight. It is the year of my redeemed that has come. And the day of vengeance is also in his heart on that day. Hallelujah. Isaiah 60, verse 3. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light and kings to the brightness of thy rising. And that word for rising, hallelujah. It's the same, it's slightly different pronunciation of Zarach. This is Zarach, and it means the rising light of Zion at the dawn of the day of the Lord. And this word, it's the Strong's number 2225 in the Hebrew. It's only used in one place in scripture here in Isaiah 60, verse three. And it's the rising light that comes upon Zion in the dawning of the day of the Lord, the beginning of the day of the Lord. And let me tell you, it talks about the brightness it's going to be rather bright 
in Isaiah 60, verse 7, the scripture reads, And the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered unto thee. The rams of Nebaoth shall minister to thee. They shall come up with acceptance upon my altar, and I will glorify the house of my glory. This is the latter house. This is the living temple. The Lord is going to glorify his living temple with his own glory. That's astonishing. It's absolutely astonishing. The sons of them that afflicted thee, in verse 14, the prophet reveals, the sons of those that afflicted Zion will come. They'll be bowing. They'll be bending unto thee. They will bow at your feet. They will, those that despise you shall bow themselves at the soles of your feet, and they will call thee the city of the Lord, the Zion of the Holy One of Israel, wherein thou hast been forsaken and hated, so that no man went through thee. I'll make thee an eternal excellency, a joy for many generations. You shall drink the milk of the Gentiles, shall suck the breast of kings, you shall know that I, the Lord, am thy Savior and thy Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. What a, an amazing contrast. In Isaiah 62, verse 1, hallelujah. The scripture says, For Zion's sake I will not hold my peace. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until the righteousness thereof goes forth as brightness and the salvation thereof as a lamp that burns. And that word for brightness is nogoa. And it literally means to shine with brilliant, bright light, clear shining. Kings, Isaiah 60 verse 3, the the kings will come to the brightness of your rising, be the very glory of the presence of God. This is going to be simply incredible what God is about to do. Hallelujah. Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives and opening of the prison to those that are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That's the year of redemption. That's the year of Jubilee that is coming and the day of the vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. Jesus said, blessed are they that mourn for they shall be comforted. Now is the time that God is going to comfort all of those that mourned. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion and to give them beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That they might be called the trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. God's going to be glorified in a remnant of people that he chose in the furnace of affliction. People who've seen the ashes, God's purging fire. People that have groaned in their prayers 
under a spirit of heaviness are now going to be given garments of praise. These people will be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that the Lord may be glorified. And they shall build up the old waste places. They'll raise up the former desolations. They shall repair the wasted and ruined cities, even the desolation of many generations. And this is also a repairing of the people, a restoring not just of the of the structures for the living temple, the new temple in the coming day of the Lord is the people. It's not a building made with stones. And, and this prophecy regarding the restoration of the former desolations, this is the people that have been desolated. This is the people whose lives literally have been through ruination. And it's a desolation of many generations. You know, and part of this desolation is just the great falling away and the bondage of sin. And, and it's also the epidemic of narcissism that has swept the planet. Men shall be lovers of their own self. Many shall be easily offended and will quickly hate one another. All of this devastation, and this has gone on for generations, you know, since since the beast first acquired its voice when the spirit of the radios came into the land. And then the beast became alive and the people began to watch the talking, flashing images on, on the beast's scream that was in their house. And all the families just got, they were all separated. People became silent. Only the beast would speak through the flashing, moving color images. So in, in so many homes, the hearts grew cold. Families would gather and they would simply just watch the moving images of the beast. The beast came alive right before their eyes. And now that same spirit of Antichrist is, is beaming all forms of wickedness and idolatry into the homes. And, and the people sit in silence watching the programming of the beast. But the Lord is about to change everything. <laughs> Hallelujah. You shall be named the priests of the Lord, and men shall call you the ministers of our God. Hallelujah. And the Gentiles shall see thy righteousness, and all kings thy glory. And should be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord shall name. Yes, we're all going to get a new name. God changes everybody's name. The mouth of the Lord will give you your new name. The Lord has a name for you. Some of you have already received your new name, perhaps. Others, it'll be coming shortly. You shall also be a crown of glory in the hand of your Lord. In a royal diadem, that's a, an image of God's power and his holiness, in the hand of thy God. I mean, think about this. The people who, who were mourning in Zion, whose lives had turned into ashes, who only knew the spirit of heaviness, now would become 
a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord. I mean, think of Zion. Think of Zion 80 years ago. When was it 1944? The ovens were burning in Auschwitz and Treblinka 24-7. The Nazis were losing the war and the SS were murdering as many Israelis as they could around the clock. The mechanisms of death were in full swing. The fires. Zion was mourning. Fires were burning. And fires are coming again, only this time Zion's going to be redeemed through the fire. This time God's people will be restored while the earth burns. It's the Nazis that burn this time. And it's Israel that gets redeemed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thou shalt no more be called forsaken. Neither shall thy land be called desolate. But you shall be called Hephzibah. And thy land Beulah. Blessed and married. For the Lord delighteth in thee. Thy land shall be married. Hallelujah. Go through, go through the gates. Prepare ye the way of the people. Cast up, cast up the highway. Gather out the stones. Lift up a standard for the people. Now, this is, this is the direction. This is the guidance of the Lord for the, for the leadership at this time is to to go through and enter into the temple of God in the spirit and prepare the way for the people are sure to come. Behold, the Lord hath proclaimed unto the end of the world, say to the daughters of Zion, behold, thy salvation comes. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. Hallelujah. And they shall call them the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. And thou shalt be called sought out, a city not forsaken. Who is this that comes from Edom with dyed garments from Basra? This one who is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength, it is I that speaketh in righteousness, who is mighty to save. And why are you red in your apparel? And why are your garments stained like one who tread the winepress? I have trodden the winepress alone, and of the people there was none with me. I will tread them in my anger and trample them in my fury. And their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments, and I will stain all my raiment. For the day of vengeance is in my heart, and the year of my redeemed has come. Hallelujah. I will mention, well, pardon me. I'm in Isaiah 63. Let me back up. I'm going to read verse 5, the next verse. And I looked, and there was none to help. You know, that's a lot like today, isn't it? There's just really, 
Not too many that can help, are there? And I wondered why there was no one to uphold. Therefore my own arm brought salvation unto me, and my fury it upheld me. I will tread down the people, that's the goy, in my anger. I will bring, I will make them drunk in my fury, and boy, they're, they're drunk now, aren't they? And I'll bring down their strength to the earth. And now in verse 7, the Lord speaks of his people. I will mention the loving kindness of the Lord and the praises of the Lord according to all that the Lord has bestowed upon us at the same time that he's treading the winepress of his wrath upon the nations that have rejected his truth. He's coming in the greatness of his strength with words of righteousness and salvation for those who call upon his name. And he says, I am mighty to save. Hallelujah. I will mention the loving kindness of the Lord. He showed us loving kindness. And it's, it's a word that is reserved only for his elect. Those that were chosen by the Lord. I've loved you with an everlasting love and with loving kindness. I have drawn you to myself, the scripture declares. I will mention the praises of the Lord according to all that the Lord has bestowed upon us and the great goodness towards the house of Israel, which he's bestowed on them according to his mercy and according to the multitude of his love and kindness. For he said, surely they are my people, children that will not lie. So he was their savior. He was pleased to be their savior because they were children that will not lie. In all their affliction, he was afflicted. The angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them. And he bore them. He carried us. He carried them all the days of old. And the Lord's carrying us still. And he's going to carry us until the end of these days. Hallelujah. But the elect are children that will not lie. You know, in the book of Revelation, the Lord speaks at the very end of the book, and I'm just going to, I'm going to read this text to you. Um, hallelujah. He said, it is done. I am Alpha and Omega. I am the beginning and the end. I will give to him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. If you thirst, come and receive the water of life. It's free. To him who overcomes, he will inherit all these things. And I will be his God and he shall be my son. But the fearful were right there. We were commanded, don't fear. Fear won't save you. Fear will not protect you. Fear will actually cause you to stop thinking clearly. So rebuke the spirit of fear. Our God is not giving a spirit of fear to his remnant. So don't receive a spirit of fear. It comes upon you, tell it to leave. But there are those that are fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and the whoremongers and the sorcerers and idolaters, and all of the liars, says the Lord. 
Well, isn't that interesting? It's the one category. And we've got fearful, unbelieving. Those are kind of Siamese twins, right? Abominable and murderers and whoremongers, sorcerers, idolaters. This is not a list of people you want to be associated with. And the Lord makes the point, and all liars. You know, there, there are people who've committed some of these sins, who've repented and are not on this list. But anybody continuing to walk in the lies, you shall have your part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone. And this is the second death. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues and the fullness of the wrath of God. And he talked with me saying, come hither and I'll show you the bride, the lamb's wife. He carried me away in the spirit to a great and a high mountain. And he showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. And this is the new Zion, having the glory of God. We that's what was prophesied in Isaiah 60, having the glory of God. And her light was like a stone, most precious, clear shining, the brilliant glory of God, as bright as lightning, even a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Hallelujah. This is the city, the living temple, the bride of the Lamb. But outside are all that make unclean things. Within the city, they will bear the glory and the honor of the Lord. And they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into the holy city. But there shall in no wise enter in anything that defileth, neither whatsoever works abominations or maketh a lie. Only those that are written in the Lamb's book of life. And, and you know, that's quite an admonition in all liars. You know, we should search our hearts there. Jesus warned us, you know, that many would seek to enter the kingdom through a wide road and it would not be allowed. He said, rather, seek to enter through the straight and the narrow way, for straight is the way and narrow is the path that leadeth to life and few there be that find it. Well, what is the difference between the straight and the narrow way and this wide road that leads to destruction? Well, for one thing, it's more crowded on the wide road because the polis, the majority, the many go that way. And only few are found on the narrow way. But another attribute of the straight gate is it's the way of absolute truth. There's no liars permitted. All liars will be found on the wide road. You know, and if there's one thing that in our fallen nature, we do spontaneously is lie. When God said to Adam, Adam, did you eat the fruit of this tree? Rather than telling the truth, Adam offered a lie. The woman that you gave me. We're going to shift the blame to the woman that God gave him. No, that's not true that's not the truth god asked adam did you do this it's a yes or a no question adam didn't want to admit the truth 
when King David was confronted by the prophet who said, thou art the man, David didn't deflect the accusation. He said, I have sinned against the Lord. The narrow way is the way of absolute truth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And this clear shining for Zion's sake, I will not hold my peace. I will continue to preach and to pray and to wage war in the spirit. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest till the righteousness in the camp of the saints of the Most High will go forth as brightness, as clear shining, as brilliant as the lightning that crosses the sky. And this word is in the prophecies. These prophecies tie together in amazing ways. Take you back to the final words of King David in 2 Samuel 23. The God of Israel said, the rock of Israel spoke to me. He that ruleth over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. And he shall be as the light of the morning when the sun rises. That's the whole prophecy of Isaiah 60. The light shall come upon you. It's the light of the morning on the new day, in the new year, perhaps even in New Year's Day. Certainly by the time the fire falls, on the nations, the time that the judgment is poured out, the cup of the wrath of the Lord. It's red, and it's, there's no mixture to it. It's, it's undiluted, and the dregs thereof are to be feared greatly. At the same time, the light of God's glory and mercy will come upon his righteous realm. And he shall be as the light of the morning when the sun rises, even a morning without clouds, as the tender grass springs out of the earth by clear shining. There's that same word, the brightness of Zion. It's the same word, Noga'ah, the clear shining after the rain. So here where the, the righteous remnant is being pictured as tender grass, springing out of the earth. But how does this grass come out of the earth? Through the clear shining, the light of the glory of God causes this growth in the spirit. Grass is just a metaphor for the, for the explosion of life that's going to come forth by the commandment of the king. There shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of the roots. This is the branch that's coming forth out of the very root of the tree, which is Jesus himself. The last verse of Isaiah 61, verse 11, For as the earth bringeth forth her bud, and as the garden causes the things that have been sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. A day of clear shining grass springing forth out of the earth, King David said. The prophet Isaiah said, righteousness will spring forth before the nations. This is the anointing, the very presence of God, the glory of God. This is the coming of the Lord and his people. 
when the Lord comes to visit his people and begin the second half of his seven-year ministry. Hallelujah. In Zechariah chapter 6, we read, and, and thus saith the Lord of hosts, Behold, the man whose name is the branch, and he shall grow up out of his place, and he shall build the temple of the Lord, the living temple. And of course, the branch is a word for, for Joshua, who will be high priest in this time. You know, perhaps the Elijah that has been prophesied to come. But we know Elijah must come again. Here in Zechariah, he's, he's referred to as Joshua. He's also referred to as the branch. And, and he will help build the temple of the Lord. He's going to build and restore the living temple, which is God's people that have been experiencing desolations for generations at this point. And there's, there's desolation in the land. You can see it if you look in the eyes of the people. There's a lot of pain. There's, there's a lot of groaning in the spirit going on. Now, I, I'm not talking about the people that are partying on the wide road to destruction. They're having their best party now. And they're rich and in need of nothing. I'm talking about the people that were chosen in the furnace of affliction. They're waiting for their redemption. They're waiting for the restoration of the kingdom. Jesus' disciples himself were waiting, and, and they didn't understand that, that the Lord would separate his ministry into two parts. The first part as a lamb of God. The second part as a conquering king who would come as a lion from the tribe of Judah. And so they were confused. They Israel didn't realize the Messiah would come twice, but every prophecy must be fulfilled twice so that it could be confirmed and established as the word of God, for it is witnessed in the earth as it is fulfilled twice in the eyes of men. The disciples didn't understand this. And so they asked the Lord, this is in Mark 9, starting in verse 11, why do the scribes teach that Elijah must come first, Lord? The Lord answered and told them, Elijah must come first. Elias, his name in Greek, verily cometh first. Elijah must come first before the second coming of the Lord. Elijah, or one who comes in the office and power of his anointing, will come and restore all things. And that word for restore, I'm not sure I can pronounce the Greek correctly, but it's... Um, it's the Strong's number 600, and I believe it's apokathistimi, and it means to reestablish, to restore back to original standing, the standing that existed before the fall. This is a full restoration, you guys. The ministry of the Elijah at the end of the age, who when he comes forth, the world is burning. Mm. He is going to restore the remnant to mm. their condition before the fall of Adam. It's a complete restoration. Returning back to the ideal, to the full freedom and liberty of the creation of God, which we enjoyed before the fall. Amen. 
before our freedom was taken away by the, the destructive and life-dominating power of sin. It, this word emphasizes being separated from all of the negative influences of a fallen world and being set completely free to walk in holiness before the Lord. Jesus said, Elijah must come first and restore all things. And the Lord went on, and this is really fascinating. Mark 9, verse 12. He said, Elijah must come first, and he will restore all things in the house of God. And then the Lord went on to explain how it was written of the Son of Man that he must suffer many things. And the word there is polis, and it means the vast majority of the things the Son of Man would experience would be suffering, and he would be treated with contempt. He would be set at naught, it says in the King James. But I say unto you that Elijah has already come, and they've done unto him whatsoever they wanted, as it was written of him. So here there's a prophecy. Now, some think the Lord is speaking of, of the suffering appointed unto him when he refers to himself as son of man. But no, he's actually talking about the suffering that the one called to walk in the office of Elijah would also experience. And then he gives the example that, that John too suffered. And the world did unto him whatever they chose, even as it was written. And this word for that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be set at naught. The, the word is ex odenio, and it's the Strong's 1847 in the Greek, and it means to be despised utterly, to be rejected and cast aside, to be treated as worthless, to display and be treated with only contempt and mockery, to be, to, to have absolutely no respect, to be made as something utterly of nothing of value. You can't be more, tre treated more poorly than this word. And, and this is how the Lord was treated. This is how his anointed messengers will be treated. Because if the world loved you, it would be because you're of the world. But the world will hate you if you're from the Lord. If they hated the master, they will hate his servants. And who has believed my report? Isaiah wrote in chapter 53. And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? To whom is the word of our God revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant as a root out of dry ground. Here's the prophecy springing up out of the earth. The branch that comes forth out of the roots is, is in many ways called to the same calling as Jesus. The same ministry with the same contempt and, and absolute hatred from the world. He shall grow up as a tender plant. The Lord had a tender heart. He did and is a root out of dry ground. He had no form nor comeliness that when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows. He was well acquainted with grief. And we hid, 
as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. This is the same thing the Lord said Elijah would receive. He will be despised. He must suffer many things and be treated with contempt. He'll be rejected, cast aside, treated as worthless, receiving only contempt and mockery from the world and the hatred from the false church. He will be given no respect at all and people will treat him as if utterly of nothing of value until the fire of God falls from heaven and light brighter than the sun begins to shine on his face and on the faces of all of the anointed remnant. And then the people and the kings will realize they have made a grave mistake, even as the religious leaders that plotted to murder Jesus will realize they've made a great mistake on the day that they are yes. resurrected from the dead to face their eternal judgment. Yes. And Jesus even asked that question. Who is like me? And who are the shepherds that will stand before my face? They too were despised. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Elijah must come first and then the king will come. And how are they despised? How are they how are they being so mistreated? Well, let's look to the parable of the wedding feast. The Lord gives us some further clarification of how this works. Jesus answered and spoke unto them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who prepared a marriage for his son. I mean, And that's what this is all about. Father God's preparing a marriage. And he sent forth his servants to call the people to the wedding, and they would not come. Again, he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them that were bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, and my oxen and my fatlings are killed. Everything is ready. Come to the marriage. They made light of it. They, they didn't even respect the marriage invitation. And they went their own way, one to a farm, another to his business. And the remnant took his servants and treated them spitefully and killed them. And when the king heard of it, he became wroth and he sent forth his armies. And they destroyed these murderers and they burned up the entire country. Scripture says city, but cities are nation states. And the Lord is about to send his army. He's going to destroy the mockers and scoffers that have despitefully used his servants. And they're going to be destroyed. And let's look into what these words really mean. That word for um, mistreated, hallelujah, it's hybrizio in Hebrew. And it means a reproach. They mistreated the servants of the king. The word actually means to damage someone's reputation, to slander them, to try to murder their good name. So the, the servants of the Lord who received no respect from the world, they, they slandered them. They spoke lies about them. They tried to rob them of their reputation, mistreating people to inflict undeserved harm. 
the work of insolence and contempt in outrageous conduct. This attack on, on the servants, which in the Lord's parable, he talks about them being treated spitefully. They're treated with contempt. They're treated with hatred. They're also damaged with slander. And the, the word literally means to behave insolently, outrageously, shamefully in attacking another. It's, it's a form of violence and despite designed to destroy. And that's exactly how people of God are treated by the false church. That's exactly how Jesus was treated by the Pharisees. And the scripture goes on and says the king was angry and he sent his armies and he destroyed those people. And he also burned the city. That word for destroyed is apolemi. And it means to fully destroy, to cut them off entirely, to cut them off eternally. A permanent and absolute and total destruction to cancel them out. The implication of eternal ruin to be utterly lost and to perish for eternity, experiencing a miserable end to life in this realm and to face God's judgment in the eternal realm that is ahead of us. God's judgment is coming. Yes, it is. God's salvation is coming. The Amen. 70th Jubilee of Israel is coming. For the remnant, it's the year of your redemption. It's the year of healing. It's the year of restoration. But for the wicked, it's going to bring us the day of vengeance. And I have to wonder if the revelation of the anointed remnant won't wait for the actual fire that will fall similar to Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, if we look at Jeremiah 50 and 51, it describes the cities as burning like Sodom and Gomorrah. Will that be the very same day that the lightness, the bright light of God's glory is revealed on his anointed remnant? Will it be the same day that the modern cities of Sodom will burn? We shall see. We're not far off. And I hope that's a blessing for you guys. That's uh, that's all I got. Frank, do you have any questions or comments or uh, well, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of uh, thank you for that, folks. The redeem, redeemed through the fire. I mean, that's powerful. Um, it reminds me of Dimitri Dudeman's book, remember, Through the Fire Without Burning? And um, I think that was the name of it. But, folks, this is really powerful. Brother, the, the part I was really, you, you jumped over the verses, but it was in Isaiah 60. Brother, the second Exodus was right there in the middle. Um I was like, oh, he's going to hit it. And you went right past it. I was okay with it because it was made. It was great. But I was like, folks, if you haven't heard the second Exodus program, um, it, it's right there in the word. And but we did it here on the, on the remnant call. And uh, you've, you've got to, you've got to listen to it because the Lord is going to be doing amazing deliverance, but the rescue 
mission that's this is going to be a special ops like you've never seen that's going to go forth in the end times <laughs> okay right. thanks for mentioning that frank yeah the ships of surely the isle shall wait for me and the ships of parshish first to bring thy sons from far their silver and their gold with them unto the name of the lord thy god and to the holy one of israel because he's glorified thee yeah it's the second exodus will be occurring once the once the nuclear war occurs and America Babylon burns, it's hard. Most American Christians can't comprehend that, you know, the scripture in Jeremiah 1551 repeats like five, six, maybe seven times. No one will dwell there anymore. They shall all leave. I mean, you can't make it more blunt and clear following the nuclear war in which essentially the United States is going to be destroyed. Most of its cities will burn, its infrastructure will be ruined, its ground will be contaminated. Uh, we're not going to start over here, folks. We're leaving. No. Yep. This Everyone is not, will leave. America will not be around as a nation when the Lord returns, folks. We're toast. We're gone. Okay, get that. We're not the center of the universe. We're not the apple of God's eye. We were a golden cup at one time, and we would have been redeemed, but we're not, according to Jeremiah 51. And um, so it's okay. I didn't want to stay here anyways. Okay, I'm looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. And, brother, I'm looking forward to getting on the king's highway, um, mm -hmm. looking forward to meeting up in Edom and Moab and up in Petra yeah. and all that stuff and 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 ultimately in the kingdom. Yeah, I'm looking forward to um going back to the the you know Tibet Zaman resort, which is actually going to be headquarters for the remnant during the Great Tribulation. And you know, Jeremiah 50, verse 44 is God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, so no man shall abide there, neither shall any son of man dwell therein. They shall depart. They shall all leave. We are leaving, and where we're going is going to be far better than sticking around here. And, you know, some of us might want to leave early. Others, you know, you got to follow God's plan for your life. But, you know, the Lord did say, flee out of the midst of Babylon and deliver every man his soul. Babylon is suddenly fallen. You Absolutely. Know, it talks about the Lord saying, I'll fill you with, with men like caterpillars. The seas have come up over Babylon. There's waves of, of migrant invaders that are just washing over our country. And, in, and hidden within those waves of humanity that are now just pouring across our borders, there are enemy soldiers. Tens of thousands of special forces operatives are coming in our country. And our infrastructure is completely unprotected. I mean, it's a joke. We have a chain link fence and a few strands of barbed wire protecting our most critical substations. I mean, we you couldn't be more vulnerable than we are. And the enemy is pouring in. And but God is going to deliver his people. And you know, surely the least of the flock shall draw the people out. You know, this is God's purpose is that he's going to judge this wicked nation. He's going to redeem and deliver his righteous remnant that are living here. And look, when ancient Babylon fell to the armies of Media Persia, where were the, the Jewish people living? 
Most of them were inside Babylon. They were actually slaves. Cyrus set them free. The Jewish slaves didn't have the free choice to leave Babylon. They couldn't leave. In Jeremiah 15, 51, the scripture commands us to leave. Now, we have the freedom to leave early or we can leave later. You can leave sooner, you can leave later. Or you don't have to leave at all, you can just simply die here. But there's nobody that's going to be alive here. In my estimation, I think the place will be emptied out six months following the war. Um, I think the war will be in, in the fall. We're told that it's in the season of harvest. And, you know, by the following spring, by the Passover, the following year, I think the exodus will be in full swing. I mean, why would anybody wait? If You know, aside from the war itself has to end, you know, we will have our little foreign invasion and, you know, no doubt we'll fight a bit of a conventional war on our soil for at least a few months. But, you know, it's very clear in Jeremiah 50 verse 44, you know, the, that the enemy will come up like a lion from the swelling of the Jordan unto the habitation of the strong, you know, the, the one mighty superpower, you know, the most proud nation of all, the United States. But the Lord says, I will make them suddenly run away. God's going to chase away our enemies, you guys. And, um, I mean, when the Lord says it's done, it's done. When he hands up, when he lifts up his hand and says, stop, everything stops. And he's going to stop the war and he will intervene. And, you know, the Chinese and the Russians and the Cubans and the Nicaraguans and the Venezuelans and the Mexicans and the Iranians and Syrians and you know, how many other countries will all be here for looting rights? I don't know. Lots of them will be pouring in. You know, that all these other armies have been told by the Chinese, you know, whatever you carry away is yours. So they're going to come as part of the initial invasion, you know, basically just to steal, you know, as much property and, you know, steal away as many slaves as they can. And then their plan was when the war is over, they all leave. The Chinese get the lower 48. The Russians get Canada and Alaska. And, and the American people get slavery or death. Mm. Uh, but God's plan is to judge the wicked and redeem the righteous. So that's exactly what's going to happen. But Amen. And, and folks, there God has a hiding place. We've talked about it. Please, if you haven't listened to the second Exodus, but brother, it was just, you know, that over there reminds me how folks if you want to like learn this mystery how god is you know if you look like jeremiah 48 he's so angry with moab destroy moab all these things he, he's, he's so angry and then out of nowhere in isaiah which is arguably the most prophetic book of the old testament in my opinion he says he says let mine outcast dwell with thee moab be a covert to them from the face of the spoiler for the extortioner is at the end and the spoiler ceaseth the oppressors are consumed out of the land and in mercy Shall the throne be established? God has a plan, folks, for his remnant of hiding and protecting us in the very place that he was destroying. And God, we're going to be heading there. Like Brother Benjamin yeah. said, you can go earlier, you can go later. The You do need to go when the Lord tells you to. That's for sure. Uh, you know, don't go upon any man, but go when the Lord says to go, but don't wait. I often pray, brother, myself, Lord, give me the ears to hear and listen when you say go. I don't want to be trusting my flesh that I can just go. I want the Lord to, 
you know, I don't care. Drag me out like Sodom and grab me by the hand with an angel and jerk me out of this place. I don't care. You know, oh, whatever. Yeah. Just pull me out. I don't know if I'm kicking and screaming, Lord, show mercy and drag me out of this place. They did drag Lot out. And yeah, they, hey, if that's how we go, praise God. Thank you for sending the angels. <laughs> to drag Amen. And, and yeah. And, and so a God is that's that picture of Lot, folks. That is the all, that is the grace of your father in heaven that even and that's a picture of the end times church so engrossed into the Sodom and Gomorrah the lord had to literally drag them out and when he tried to give them the message when when they were tried to share the message of the last day the angels did it said they looked at lot as one who scoffed his own children so don't be surprised when people look at you and scoff because you're trying to warn them that's just what happens it's okay though god has a plan I'm sorry to interrupt you, Frank. No. I can't imagine that God would actually judge the United States of America with such severity that it would be totally destroyed, like Sodom and Gomorrah. But it says in Jeremiah 50, as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay, I don't know if you guys have been to Sodom. I have. <laughs> Ain't nothing left of it. It's completely burnt. It's gone, and it, it will never be rebuilt. And... Essentially, it was as if uh, atomic bombs went off over Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, when ancient Babylon fell, none of the cities burned. The people didn't flee Babylon. The slaves were set free. Nobody was taken into slavery. What's happening in America is the exact opposite. They're going to take American citizens as slaves. The Chinese and and I mentioned all those other countries. There's a whole lot of nations. Many kings shall come against you, O daughter of Babylon. Right? I mean, isn't that what it says? Many kings shall come. And, and a lot of them are coming just for looting rights. And, oh. and they're coming for a spoil. Absolutely. And they're coming to steal the cars and they want to steal your gold. And they, they literally want to loot our houses and... They want to oh. take your wife and your daughter, too. Yeah, and, and so the government knew, hey, we can't bring them through the front door. That's too obvious. Hey, just come across the southern border. Bring all you want. Come on in here. I mean, what is it, 20, how many thousand Chinese now they know have come across? Iranians, Syrians, uh, you know, and folks, they're just like, come on, bring them on in. We, our enemies have fully established militaries in our country. Oh yeah, we're in our own. Gone. And yeah. and Frank, we just the other day, one of my neighbors came by and he said, "Hey, listen, we uh, we had about thirty uh, foreign troops um, that actually traveled through this area, stopped at one of the grocery stores. They all had the same military boots, and they all had like um, combat fatigues, like sweats, no insignias, you know. But if you knew what to look for, these were." These were military in sort of casual um, training gear, if you would. Mm -hmm. And they all piled off a bunch of minivans. They all went in and used their $5,000 debit cards and literally bought up all tons of junk food. And they packed in their little vans and they drove further north. But they're being spread all over the country. Yeah. And um, this is really going to happen. And, and it's going to happen in the next 12 months, too. And now some people can say, well... Brother, how can you be certain? Um, well, I obviously I can't because I've thought it was going to happen sooner than this. So 
you know, but like a broken clock, eventually you're right. And, you know, if you consider how many foreign troops are pouring in right now, they're not going to do that several years in advance. You know, if you look at all yeah. the other things that are happening, I mean, look, we've we've got a major war in Europe. There's reports that this war in Ukraine is going to expand. NATO's out of ammunition. Gee, how convenient. Now we got this massive war in the Middle East and it's expanding. You know, shortly it's going to expand to Hezbollah in the north and it's going to involve Iran. And now we got North Korea. Kim Jong-un has told his military prepare for imminent nuclear war with the United States. That's phase three. And then phase four is China engaging yeah. the U.S. Navy. And then it's on to phase five and full on World War Three. And, you know, we're here. This thing's going to happen. And by the What's way, the they can attack China. China can attack Taiwan any day, any but day. They're not literally. going to. Frank, they're not going to touch Taiwan. That's a diversion. They don't want to wreck all those beautiful factories. They're going to take the United States out and then Taiwan will negotiate terms of surrender. More like, a head, a deal like the, Taiwan's just a head fake. It's a head fake. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, there's way too much valuable real estate. What's mm -hmm. the point of destroying Taiwan? I mean, if they can take down the U.S., Taiwan can't stand against the Chinese army. So the Chinese point. will negotiate a deal with Taiwan's political leadership and they'll say, look, we won't arrest you. You can keep your houses, you can collect your retirement and your pension, and you just cooperate in, in a peaceful transition of power. You know, yeah. they view Taiwan as China. They don't want to bomb China. That'd be like us saying, we're going to take back California. Well, the last thing in the world we'd want to do is go blow up L.A. I mean, <laughs> it's beautiful. You, you, you want to keep Southern California. You don't want to destroy it. China's got the same plans for Taiwan. They want to keep Taiwan. They don't want to destroy well, it. Well, and why would you want to trust in the United States anymore? I mean, we're, I mean, our leaders checked out, and I mean, we're, we're there's no trust. We we can't keep our word to anybody. And folks, when we talk about other nations bringing across you know, their troops. These are all things that are being talked about by mainstream media. This is not an ounce of conspiracy theory this is all just common knowledge now that's in our face because they don't care they are telling us exactly what they're going to do and one day people are going to look back and say you know what they told us we just didn't listen well frank every 80 years the world has gone through this major tempest of fire and and war 80 years ago it was world war ii in 1944 80 years before that, it was the Civil War, 1864. 80 years before that, it was the Revolutionary War, 1784. And just keep on going. It's like a season. You know, the, the history of man has been like the four seasons, and each of the seasons is approximately 20 years. It's not exactly rigid. You can go read the book, The Fourth Turning, which is talking about the fourth season, which is winter, and we are headed into the worst part of the winter. But Frank, they're going to launch the nuclear war in 24. It'll be over by 25, just like World War II ended in 1945. And then they're going to build their new world order. I mean, World War III, the original nuclear strike portion of the war, it's going to take less than one hour. In one hour, all this wealth will be gone. In one hour, the dollar will be worthless. In one hour, this nation will be no more. Now, there'll be 
50 million, maybe 75 million people still alive in the rural parts of America. Maybe even some of the cities will survive, but there's not going to be any power. There's not going to be any trucks running. There's not going to be any gasoline. There's not going to be any food on the grocery shelves. And what there is going to be instead is a full-blown conventional war in your backyard. And that war is going to get really ugly if you live in the major cities. Because not only are you facing invasion of foreign troops, within a few days of no power, no food, uh, the people that rely on government handouts for their living standard are going to turn into an underground criminal class and, and they're going to be looting and rampaging their neighbors. So, I mean, it's, it's going to be a whirlwind such as never has happened before. Yeah. And everybody folks, this is the inch. You, if you got to remember what Jeremiah uh, 51 says, the mighty men of Babylon, hence us have forborne to fight. They've remained in their hold, folks. They're we're not striking back. We're we are going to get wiped and it's real. You might say, well, I don't understand how, why we wouldn't do that. Well, I can tell you right now, they release a ransom, a crypto attack, you know, uh, and, and encrypt everything. We won't even be able to, to launch our weapons back. This is yeah, uh, really bad. It's, yeah. We've been hacked um, probably 100,000 cyber attacks a day just on our electric grid infrastructure. I mean, this is a joke. When you start really digging deep, you know, and did it really take a genius to think maybe we shouldn't connect critical infrastructure to the Internet? Maybe we should have a separate phone line, Frank. What do you think? I mean, did, am I the only guy that ever thought of the fact that we shouldn't put critical infrastructure on the Internet? Wait, no, I'm not. The Russians have segregated their infrastructure. It's not all online. And guess what else? They don't use microchips. They use vacuum tubes. So even if we could launch an EMP counterstrike, it wouldn't damage their critical infrastructure because they've prepared to wage nuclear war. Absolutely. They actually have a civil defense plan for their citizens. Have you guys had any civil defense training when you were in school? Or, you know, has your local, you know, city... County, state, federal government ever sent you any civil defense instructions? Uh, nope. Well, why is that? There is no civil defense strategy for this country. The strategy is to annihilate it. Look, don't look at what people are saying or don't listen to what they're saying. Look what they're doing. They've exhausted our ammunition. They've depleted our petroleum reserves. The border's wide open. That border could be closed in 48 hours if they wanted it. It's very easy. You just put the military on the border. Yeah. And you I, just don't let people cross, period. I agree. Folks, one thing I do know, and I know cybersecurity, it's what I do for a living. Okay, and I can tell you right now, the average attack on a major enterprise, the enemy stays in there for six months to one year before they release their attack, funneling out information, go dormant for a period of time, they'll remain undetected, things like that. What I'm trying to say this is for is that they are in the systems waiting. 
They take yes. their time. They're meticulous, and at any time they can roll loose. That's why we search so hard for what we call persistent hooks environments. And we look for people that are snooping, but these people, they are good at what they do. And they are already in there. You think, well, they can't get into NORAD. Ha, they can get into anywhere they want. Because even if they can't get through the front door, you know what they do? They target the employees in their homes and they have them carry the stuff in with them. They put it on their drives, on their phones. All they got to do is touch that network and release whatever they want to do. That's how they get into these systems. They target the employees in their homes. And, you know, Frank, we're not really doing all of this cybersecurity training. What our military is doing is sensitivity training for transgender studies. Yes. So we'll just pull their hair and slap them and tell them they hurt our feelings and they'll leave us alone. It's a microaggression, Frank. (laughs) No, it's a macro annihilation that's coming. Yes. And, you know, it's right in the scriptures that the Lord says, um, I will fill you with caterpillars. Surely I will fill thee with men as with caterpillars, and they will lift up a shout against thee. How do caterpillars come into your garden? They just walk right in. I mean, all of this is happening. Look, 25 years ago, when when I first started teaching, and I went on national tour, and I brought out my book, The Day of the Lord is at Hand, and I told everybody all these things would be happening, you know People that knew Bible prophecy, that knew their scriptures, were able to receive the message because, you know, this is in the Word of God. I didn't make this stuff up, folks. But people that were ignorant of the Word and, you know, were under the the spell of the, I was going to say pornography, but I really should be saying the propaganda, and maybe they're one and the same. People that are under the spell of this, you know, media that is spewing out all these deceptions and defilements. They can't even imagine that this could happen. And, you know, they're drunk. You know, the, these people are drunk. They're blind. You know, the scripture says in Jeremiah 51, 39, in their passion, I will make their feasts and I'll make them drunk. This is God, that they may rejoice. They're going to party on, dude. And they'll sleep a perpetual sleep and not awaken, says the Lord. And then I will bring them down like lambs to the slaughter. Like rams with the he-goats, how is Sheshach taken? How is the praise of the whole earth surprised? How is Babylon become an astonishment among the nations? The sea has come up upon Babylon. The sea is the sea of humanity. The waves are these waves of immigrants and foreign soldiers that are pouring across our soil right now. She's covered with the multitude of the waves thereof. Her cities are a desolation a wilderness, a land where no man dwells, neither does any son of man pass thereby. My people, go ye out of the midst of her and deliver every man his soul from the fierce anger of the Lord. The days are coming. You that escape the sword, go away, stand not still. Well, where are we supposed to go, Benjamin? Uh, Remember the Lord from far off and let Jerusalem come into your mind. Maybe you might want to go back to Zion. If you're an Israelite, if you're in the new covenant. Now, like Frank said, we all can't just pile out of here next weekend. Um, And most people will, you know, if you read Jeremiah 50, it's really obvious. You know, the Lord says in those days and at that time, the children of Israel, the children of America will come and they'll be weeping 
and seeking the Lord, and they will ask for the way to Zion. Nobody will be asking the question, where should we go, Benjamin? It's like, hello? Well, you're not going to Europe. It'll be under the control of the beast. You're probably not going to go to any of the parts of the world where you're going to need to wear the mark, or you will be marked for execution. No, you're going to head for the wilderness of Zion. They shall seek the Lord, and they will look for the way to Zion. And God's going to deliver his people. You know, and don't forget what the Lord said. I will protect that which is mine. We don't want to become fearful, but we also don't want to be stupid. Look, the plans of the enemy have already been unveiled. They've already changed the legal structures so that in the next financial crash, the international banks that provide credit to the clearing houses will be able to basically foreclose on all of the collateral of the world. What does that mean? It means they're going to take your stocks. They're going to take your bonds. They're going to take your money market. They're going to take your bank account. They're going to take everything you thought you had. And the cash that you're going to have out of the bank once America burns, nobody's going to want your paper. It's worthless. You're not going to be able to trade it for anything. Maybe your gold and your silver will have some value. But most of this wealth will be destroyed. You know, people that have tremendous wealth today are going to lose it. Well, so what should we do with all this money? Well, you know, that's a personal question. It depends on exactly your circumstances. There is not a one-size-fits-all answer, but there is one thing every one of us should consider. The Lord says very clearly in the scriptures, he who gives to the poor lends to me, and I, the Lord, will repay him. So probably one of the smartest things any of us could do right now is give your money to bless the poor. Give your money to bless widows and orphans. Amen. Because the Lord promises, I will repay you. And you know, folks, if there's one thing that I've learned about the Lord in the years that I've walked with him, you can count on what he says. <laughs> Guaranteed. Amen. You guys know what I'm talking about. If the Lord said it, <laughs> take it to the bank. But, but you know, our faith isn't that strong, right? Oh, we just, you know, those knuckles get white when we're holding on to our cash. And, you know, it's such a tragedy. I mean, look, if any of you guys have real wealth and you want some professional help, this is what I do for a living. Uh, and, you know, there are some sophisticated options available for people that have got real money. And by real money, I'm talking in the millions. Um, there's a lot of things that could be done right now. You know, if if somebody with hundreds of millions of dollars or, you know, billions of dollars, and there's there's actually a large group of people that have that kind of cash. If they were to wake up and suddenly realize this is coming down, is there anything we could do? Yeah, there's a ton we could do. You know, if I had $100 million right now, I'd be busy. Okay, I'd be on the next airplane and I would be traveling and I'd be looking for real estate, but I wouldn't be landing inside the United States. I'd be going overseas, setting up an underground railroad for the remnant to move. You know, and if you don't have massive wealth, if you just got middle-class wealth, then, you know, pray about what you should do. But by all means, give to the poor. Absolutely. Amen. Amen, brother. Thank you so much, folks. I was just 
so much stuff here we talked about tonight is just a reminder. God's word is so accurate, brother. I was reading when you were talking about the sensitivity training that was going on in our military. I was reading where it talked about the forbidden, the, the mighty men of Babylon were forborn to fight. It says this, it says they, the mighty have failed. They became as women. Woof, woof. Boy, that's accurate, isn't it? It's, wow. It's literally happening. Are they literally becoming like women? Bunch of yeah. trannies. Sorry, but I mean, it's. Yeah, I, Frank, when I first read that, I thought they'd just become a bunch of fraidy cats. Yes. Know? And look, there are some women that are brave warriors, particularly in the IDF. So, girls, I'm not trying to, you know, mess with yeah. of, uh, <laughs> women who, who feel called to fight. If you want to fight, there's enough war for everyone. You can have your share, but, but, you know, to a great extent, women, you know, kind of shy away from combat because it's a pretty intense situation. But, but I just thought it meant the American military would just become a bunch of, you know, people afraid to fight that they just all hide in their foxholes or try to hide, you know, or run away, you know, throw their uniforms in the street and hide among the civilian class. But no, it means they're literally becoming women wearing high heels, putting on lipstick. This is insane. Oh, it runs pro it's profound and prolific within our leadership of how many cross-dressers and pedophiles and everything else are out there, folks. It is the word of God is so unbelievably accurate. And we're going to find that out. A lot of things that you and people thought were only spiritual, they're going to find out were absolutely literal in this book. Uh, just because you couldn't see the, the fulfillment earlier, we're going to see it one day. I believe a lot of it word for word that people thought was just simply a spiritual thing. It's going to end up being both brother. God bless you. What a powerful show. Thank you so much through the fire redemption. Folks, God is a specialist at redeeming those through the fire. And you know what? If you back there, he said, when, when, when the remnant, when are those that were called, didn't come to the wedding, he said, go out and find those both bad and good. He said, I don't care who they are. If they're willing to come, Bring them on. And if you, I don't care where you've been, if you're willing, God is going to accept you. If you will just cry out, repent, come to him. It doesn't matter what your past is. He's looking for those who are willing to follow him and he can clean up anything that you've been through in a moment. He can wipe his hand and it is gone because the blood of Jesus can cover any sin that you've committed if you will repent and turn your heart to Jesus. Folks, thank you so much, brother. God bless you. God bless everything you said tonight. And folks, keep looking up. It won't be long. The Lord is coming down. This is Brother Frank and Brother Benjamin on the Remnant Call saying to everybody, good night and shalom. Trumpet in Zion, sounding on the mountains. Blow a trumpet in Zion, for the day of the Lord is come. Blow a trumpet in Zion, sounding on the mountains. Blow a trumpet in Zion, for the day of the Lord is come. The day of the Lord is With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.